Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. There are those things that we think of as being Christmassy, and there are things that just don't seem like Christmas. You don't really think about an American flag at Christmas. You think about that at the 4th of July. It just doesn't seem like the appropriate thing. The colors of red and green, if you notice, we put the red border around the leader's notebook in honor of Christmas. But there are passages of Scripture that seem like Christmas passages. And then there are those that you almost never hear read or celebrated or preached on or taught on around the Christmas season. But actually, they are very, very important. Here's one of those, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. Hello, I'm Mark Rutland. Welcome to the Leader's Notebook. I'm so glad that you've joined me for this episode, which is the middle of a three-part series on Christmas. I hope that if you missed last week that you will get it. It's archived. I hope you'll get it and enjoy it, that it'll be a blessing to you. I dealt last week with the first part of that very passage from Galatians in the fullness of time, when the fullness of time had come, dealing with the issue of not only being in the center of God's will, but being in the center of God's timing and how complex and complicated, far beyond our comprehension, that that can be. God's timing can involve issues of which we are totally unaware that that would make no sense that God couldn't explain it to us even if he was of a mind to, which, by the way, he isn't. Then today, I want to deal with the issue of God sent his son made of a woman made under the law. Next week, and I do hope you can join me next week as well. I want to deal with the the sort of the after story when the angels leave, when the angels go away. So for today, I'm glad that you've joined me. Here is this passage from Galatians chapter 4, which is actually the critical passage for the, what we call the Christmas story. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. Now, made of a woman means the incarnation. Let's just talk about it a moment. I'm not going to get heavy theological today, but I want you to stay with me for a few moments. The whole concept of the incarnation is both the answer and it also became part of the problem. Let me explain to you. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So therefore, the answer of God for the sinfulness of the world, for our sins, had to be a real human being, not a concept or a theological construct. And an angel, an angel could not die for our sins because an angel can't shed human blood. But that blood had to be perfect, sinless. It couldn't be uh, filled with, the, with sin itself if, if the high priest has to make sacrifice for himself first He can't truly redeem us. That's what was wrong with the Day of Atonement. So we needed a perfect sacrifice, but that sacrifice had to be capable of shedding blood. In other words, if Jesus had taught everything that he taught, worked all the miracles that he worked, 
lived to 95 and died in a nursing home in Jerusalem, there is no hope for us. He had to die. He had to die a blood death. In order to die a blood death, to shed blood on the cross, he had to be a real human being. But to be a real human being, he looked human. So the problem for us when we talk about the incarnation at Christmas is that we so celebrate the divine part, the supernatural part of Christmas, the beautiful part, that we forget the natural human part, that he was made of a woman, birthed of a woman, that he was made under the law, not just the law, not just the law of Torah, but not just Torah, but also the laws of the universe, the world in which he lived, that Jesus was subject to that. When he hammered his thumb in his father's shop, it hurt. He was subject to that. So the prince of heaven stepped into the world and became flesh. He didn't become partial flesh. He wasn't divine from the waist up. That's not, that's not the incarnation. That's Greek mythology. He was very God and very man at the same time. So the incarnation is not that he was part and part. It is that he was all and all, all at the same time. So what does it mean about the Christmas story itself, the nativity event, to be made of woman? So we see the Christmas cards with all the pastel colors and the, and the star shining and the picture of the Virgin Mary holding the baby, the Magi kneeling with their gifts. All of that happened. All of that happened. But what also happened was the birth, the birth of Jesus. I'm going to shock you, so stay with me for a moment. There was nothing miraculous about the birth of Jesus. The conception was a miracle. The birth of Jesus was natural. It says right here in Galatians, he was made of a woman. So the only way that a woman has a baby is the way that it always happens. She gave birth. With everything that went with that, all the pain and all the, I don't mean to be offensive, all the blood and the fluid and the pain and everything else. And her only midwife, her own husband, this older man, Joseph, where not in a sanitized hospital, in a cattle shed, in a, in a cave, perhaps. And all of that happened. Very natural. Very natural. But we don't, we don't like to look at that. We don't want to deal with that because that makes us feel squeamish. Think about that Christmas song. I think it's Away in a Manger, I believe. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The cattle are lowing. The baby awakes. The little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Now, what's up with that? No crying he makes. The baby Jesus couldn't cry. He's different from every other baby in the whole world. Because we don't like the idea of the little Lord Jesus laying there squalling his lungs out. The fact of the matter is, the baby Jesus crying he made. Now, running the risk of unnecessarily offending you, listen to this. He also made everything else babies make. But we don't like the idea of anybody having to change Jesus' diaper. It just, it just seems squeamish to us that Jesus had messy diapers. Put that on a Christmas card. The fact of the matter is, it's just shocking to us. But it's actually part of the problem throughout his entire life and earthly ministry that he is a divine God, become flesh, but in flesh and as flesh. There are times when 
He's talking to people and they can't grasp a word that he says because he's thinking in transcendent reality in terms of being God. But he's having to squeeze those thoughts through the toothpaste tube of human communication. He's talking to people that don't understand cosmic reality. They don't understand where he came from. They don't understand his destiny, purpose, where he's going, his eternal reign. They don't understand that he's the second person of the Trinity. All they know is they're hearing this guy who looks just like them talk and using words just like they use. We see it in the very earliest account we have of his childhood. And when Jesus is left behind at his bar mitzvah and his parents find him in the temple talking with the elders and they're angry with him. They said, well, why didn't you scared us? Why didn't you come with us? And he says, knew ye not, I must be about my father's business. And it says they knew not that which he spoke. Why not? That's not a complicated question. Knew ye not, I must be about my father's business. It's because he is talking about his heavenly father while he's talking to his apparent earthly father who has a business, but it's not the business of his heavenly father. It's, it, it's the complication that Jesus encounters over and over again throughout his ministry. Every room that Jesus leaves for three years of his ministry, the people in the room are asking themselves two questions. Who is that guy? And what was he talking about? Because he's using words, real words they, they understand in Hebrew or Aramaic, and they can understand the words. They can't understand what he's saying because he's using them at two different levels, as indeed his whole body is at two levels. He is flesh, but he is also God. This is, this is critical to our understanding of who Jesus was. And that, that mystery, that miracle of the incarnation, is the underlying reality of the Christmas story. It's not just no room at the inn. It's not just... It's not just the, the angels in the sky, the company of heaven. It's not just the shepherds or the star or the wise men. It is the reality that something has happened, which has never happened before and will never, ever happen again. The miracle of the incarnation. In the fullness of time, God sent his son, preexistent, co-eternal word of God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was was God. And that word became flesh. How? Through the miracle of his immaculate conception. And then through the non-miracle of his birth. The conception of Christ was a miracle. The birth of Christ was natural. The baby was natural. The incarnation was miraculous. That is the complicated theological reality of Christmas. This year, every time you say Merry Christmas to anybody, I hope you'll be thinking, this is the miracle. The Word became flesh. God sent His Son, made of a woman. The Son of God was born into the human race the same way every baby ever born was born. Not only that, in poverty, and probably not even into a very clean situation. In an awkward moment, a woman unable to explain the miraculous conception that she herself had experienced. Who would comprehend 
the visitation of an angel that she had had, the miracle of an immaculate conception. Who would comprehend that? Who could she, to whom could she even explain it? And then Joseph, who only has gone along with the whole thing because of the visitation of an angel. So Joseph has had dream, visitation. She's had the angel Gabriel. You've got the star, the angels, all the rest of it. But at the moment of the birth, there's all the pain and loneliness and fear. Everything that goes with a birth was all together natural. What does it mean to you? It means that in the natural reality of your life, all the things that we do, we get up and go to work, we deal with the natural functions of our body. And yet the supernatural God is at work in us through the power of his spirit to bring about the fullness of Christ within us. So this year, when you say Merry Christmas, you may not say, you may not give your friend or whoever you're saying it to some kind of a long theological explanation, but in your own heart, in your own mind, be thinking Merry Christmas, because in the fullness of time, God sent his son through a woman under the law to live the same way I live every day of his life. He had to function as I function. His body functioned just as mine functions. But the supernatural power of God for the redemption of the human race was at work. That puts a whole different level on Merry Christmas, doesn't it? I'm Mark Rutland. Thank you for joining The Leader's Notebook. Merry Christmas. You've been listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review today's podcast. You can follow Dr. Rutland on Twitter at Dr. Mark Rutland or visit his website, drmarkrutland.com. Join us next week for another episode of The Leader's Notebook.